Welcome to the Grateful Leader Podcast. On today's episode, you're going to hear from Robert Thornton, the Executive Director for Cloud Covered Streets. It's a nonprofit agency that provides showers, laundry services, haircuts, and even employment opportunities to those experiencing homelessness. Join us as Rob shares his personal journey and how he cultivated Cloud Covered Streets, along with his plans to make a positive impact to others experiencing homelessness across the United States. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Hey, Rob. Good morning. How are you? I'm. We're so good. good. I'm Hillary, and this is Kami. It's so nice to meet you. Good morning. Nice to meet you too. Excited. Yes. Robert, where's the giant beard? Oh, uh, that that had to go. It was it was way <laughs> too much to to keep up. It's funny how how much hard work and effort it took to look that disheveled, you know, and, <laughs> and, and that out of sorts. But this is a a much much more manageable and. Uh, normal version. I'm, I'm not scaring any, any small children, you know, when they see me. So uh, probably a lot cooler in Arizona as the, well. The funny right? thing is like, people would always say stuff to me. Like when I had the big beard and be like, Oh, isn't so hot. And I was like, I, I never really noticed it, you know, as strange as it sounds, you know, I never, un- unless I like actually like felt it was there. Like I really didn't physically even know it was there. But, That's funny. Right. I'm always amazed at you know, men's options with face hair because my husband's in the air force. So he's not really allowed to have, he's like his sideburns are restricted to a certain place. So men and their options with face hair is always fascinating. Women, women have makeup. We only have facial hair. You know, <laughs> you were we, say we, women have face hair too. And I was going to say, <laughs> it's true. I do. I mean, Same. There, there's only so much men we can do to try and make this uh, more palatable you know? And so it's like, all right, you're just trying to find a worship. Like, all right, I guess this is as good as it gets. And you just kind of go with it. I love it. I love it. Well, um, I suspect that the folks who you spend most of your time with are happy to see your face anytime you're around. So it's so I, good I think, to have I think you. I'm happier to see them than they are to, me, to see me though. Still. Yes. It's, well, it's been great ever since you and I visited leading up to the podcast. Um, it's been wonderful for me to, Um, I think I've tapped into another level of just really wanting to be connected to people experiencing homelessness. And instead of casting my gaze away, sending people some love, um, wherever I'm at. Um, so I, I enjoyed that, that call and I'm, I'm excited for you to bless people, um, and uplift them and get them on the vibration of hope and energy that you're on. So a little bit about you is that you run a nonprofit here in Phoenix in Fort Worth. And I think that you're branching out to a third. We're actually moving into five new cities is our goal. Five new cities the next year. So we have Tucson, Austin, Las Vegas, Seattle, and Portland that we all plan on having trailers up and operational in the next 365 days. All right. I love the big goals and that's the way to get her done. Now, cloud covered streets. Tell me a little bit about what you do, because, um, I happened upon you and only a way that the universe could connect us. I was searching for someone to cover up the graffiti on my new building, which is, um, our new building for our law firm, which is in, uh, the Maryvale area in, in down, I guess it's kind of downtown Glendale ish. And we've gotten covered with a ton of graffiti. So I'm looking for graffiti artists and somehow it wasn't an ad or anything else. (laughs) You came up and I was like, what is this huge truck and trailer called cloud covered streets? So tell me a little bit what you guys do. Yeah. So cloud covered streets were a 501c3 nonprofit located here. Our our home base is in Phoenix, but now we've expanded into, into Fort Worth. And as I mentioned, we have five other cities that we're looking to move into, but our main focus is on helping those that experience in homelessness and 
we had been a nonprofit for a couple of years when I, you know, when I was just going out on the street and just loading up my truck and bringing supplies to people when I saw them, you know, I would just, it was a couple of days a week when I was like, all right, I'm heading out on a street mission and would just drive around just looking for people, you know, holding their sign and, and flying their flag. That's what it's called. Just a little inside, a little inside lingo there, but people experience something, they call it flying their flag instead of like holding their sign. So I love it. Look for people flying their flags, drive out. And I would see people, I just stop and get out and just bring them, you know, the supplies we had, which are usually like a new pair of underwear, t-shirt, socks, hygiene kit, and just have just organic conversations with these people, just asking them, you know, Hey man, like what, what's something you need? How can I help you? And through those conversations would hear a lot of the time, kind of almost jokingly, you know, I could really use a shower and then kind of did a little bit of research, you know, because I think like a lot of people, I was, I was under the belief that, Oh, aren't there shelters everywhere that you can just go and get a shower and then kind of research those shelters and, and talk to the people that I would meet and they wouldn't go to the shelters. You know, they all had their reasons, whether it was, you know, the, the drug issue at the shelters, the safety issue, you know, the cleanliness of, tell, of tell the, me about the drug the issue at the shelters. That's right. Yeah, and, and again, it's, it's one of the things that I, I never even thought about, you know, until I really became immersed in this culture, but you know, a lot of these shelters, you know, the, those that deal drugs to those on the, that are, that are experiencing homelessness will hang out at the shelters because I mean, again, it's, it makes sense for their business. You know, if they're going to have all their customers in one location and can be there and see them all. And so the people that I would meet that, that were trying to get over their addiction issues, they knew that they couldn't go to the shelter because they'd be like, well, I'm not strong enough to say no. Let's you go into the lion's den. There, they're going to give me a freebie. And like, uh, I, I don't want to have that temptation, you know? And wow. so there were, there's just so many factors, I think, that, that keep a lot of people from, you know, accessing shelters. And, and plus, you know, there, there's only so many shelters, you know, across the valley. And one of the key things when you're, when you're experiencing homelessness is you, you first and foremost want to find a safe place where you can hopefully sleep at night because un- unfortunately there's, there's definitely a lot of people that are on the streets that will rob and mug other people that are on the streets and that are out looking for people to rob and mug. So finding a safe place to sleep and then that safe place to sleep, maybe 30 miles from their, your closest shelter, you know? And yeah. so with having a mobile laundering shower trailer, we can take it all across the valley and, and hit so many different spaces and, and see so many different people who might not either a have access to these shelters or b just refuse to, to visit the shelters. So we can still, you know, we found a way to, to be able to reach out to these people and still offer them, you know, the services that, that every human being should have access to a shower, you know, they should, they should have clean clothes, you know, they should, they should have meals and, and more importantly, just have, have people that will simply just be nice to them, you know, yeah. and just treat them like a human being and the and dignity, the we all deserve 100%. Yeah. Just, dignity of being clean. Yeah. I know. I mean, I've, I, the only thing I can liken it, uh, the, the dignity of being clean is, after you have a baby, your first shower after having a baby is like the most exhilarating, glorifying experience because you have the dignity of you've just been through this pretty traumatic, undignified experience. And then you go in, you can just get clean. It is the best feeling, even if it's three minutes long. So I really, I can't imagine other than to, I'm not putting my shoes. I I can't put their shoes on, but I can put my shoes next to theirs and say, that's the only way I can relate. And man, it is amazing to have a good shower. And, and I think that's, that's all any of us can do. Like, even though I've been, you know, uh, Cloud Curve Streets has been a nonprofit since 
May of 2016, but I've been going out on street missions since October 2015. And, and even being, you know, as in touch with this community as I am, I can't really fully grasp what they go through. You know, like I can try and pretend, but when I, when I think about it and really put myself in their shoes, like it's not possible. No, yeah. no. And it doesn't and, have and, to be. And, and so, but the, 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 the wildest thing for me is when I meet so many people and they still have a positive outlook and attitude where I try and put myself again in their shoes. And I'm like, I am, would, would I still have a positive outlook and attitude? You know, I, I, I can't say, you know, so it's, yeah. again, the, the world is really, really hard and, and we just need to do a better job just trying to be nicer to people and just showing compassion and kindness and love to those who, who really need it the most. Now you're so Robert, you keep, we're both oh, excited. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so you keep referring to we, so can yeah. you tell us about your team and who all is involved? So I, I, I like to say it's again, we are, I, I tell people that like, I, I don't do well with taking praise from people. So I, I will always throw almost anything in a we, because I know that nothing gets done just by myself. You know, uh, we, we couldn't be out there without our donors, without our sponsors, with, without everybody who's had a hand in, you know, even, even building the trailer and, and everything that, that comes with just being out on the streets. So we are a extremely, extremely small team. Uh, I mean, we literally have an operations manager, Joshua, who's, who's great. He's been with us for, I think maybe seven or eight months, but other than that, you know, and then we have, we have amazing, our, our volunteers, we have some rock star volunteers, you know, we, we have a couple of them who are there literally two to three times a week, you know, our trailer goes out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and we have a couple of them that will be there. Like we have a mother and daughter combo, Brandy and Maddie, and, and Maddie started coming out and volunteers when she was 12 years old and loved it so much that she went out and sold salt scrubs to be able to buy a, a small grill. And so now, you know, she comes out, you know, usually again, two, usually almost three days a week. The only time she can't is when she, she's a, a child actress. And so the only time she can't is when like she has an audition or something that she has to, has to do for, for her career, but they'll come out and she'll grill up hamburgers, hot dogs. And they just, uh, we are not able to do what we do without our volunteers, without our donors, yeah. you know? So I just like to tell people that like, I'm just, I'm just a cogging machine, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a conduit through which other people work. You know, I, I kind of came up with the idea and made it possible, but now all these people that, that donate and that come out and volunteer and that come out and cut hair, they're, they're the real heroes. You know, I, I just kind of make sure it, it keeps on running, but they're the ones that really are in the trenches doing, doing all the real important work for us. I love that yeah. gratitude. You weren't always planning on this being your life path. What happened? Uh, well, I, th I think that uh, very few of us actually get to uh, go down our original path in this life. I feel that most of us kind of have an idea of what we want to do. And then life just happens. And uh, you're kind of forced to pivot and, and figure out, okay, like plan A didn't work. Now, now let me figure out something else. And, you know, my, my plan A was baseball. I was you know, from birth, you know, I was going to be a major league baseball player. And that's, that's all that I thought about morning, noon, night, eat, sleep, breathe, you know, and then uh, 27 years old, and my body just had kind of fallen apart on me and kind of had to take that hard look in the mirror and, and ask myself, like, did you give this everything you had? You know, did you, did you fully commit to this with, with all your heart and soul? And, you know, you just kind of have to have to admit that, Hey man, sometimes, you know, uh, 
those dreams don't come true, you know, and, and life is, go, is going to, you know, uh, force you to do something else. And so I was 27 years old. It's like, all right, I'll, I'll go back to school and went back to Arizona State University and was just lost in life. You know, I, I, I didn't realize what life was like living without passion. And, you know, I got a, I got a real uh, harsh reality of what it was like for me. And so up until that point, I was 27, had never had a sip of alcohol. I spent basically the next three to four years just being a functioning alcoholic where I would work, I would bartend a day bar sh- shift so I could go and drink at nights, you know, and it was six to seven nights a week, you know, I was closing down a bar and it was just, it didn't, nothing mattered really at that point. Cause I was like, well, what does it matter? You know, I don't have anything that I really care about, you know, so I'm just going to do this to, to numb the pain. So I can't think about, you know, uh, what I perceived at that point as a failure, you know, not, not being able to, to reach my ultimate goal. And, you know, was, was fortunate enough to be visiting my parents who were living in Northern California at the time and, and saw a drawing hanging on the fridge. And it was just, it, you know, there, there's no grandchildren running around my parents' house. And so I asked my mom, you know, what is this, what is this child drawing doing on your guys' fridge? And she had just taken a job as a bus driver for kids with special needs. And I just remember looking and, and a little girl on her route would draw and sometimes give those drawings to my mom. And that's what it was. And so I just remember looking at it and being like, man, this is so cool. Just because the drawings weren't perfect, like perfect bores me. Like I, I, I think that, that beauty lies in our imperfections. And so I saw this drawing. I was like, man, these, these characters are so cool and spent the whole entire night looking at it, went to bed that night, woke up the next morning and the drawing was I had put it on my headstand and I, and I picked it up and looked at it again and just kind of had, I've had two moments in my life where it was like a cartoon. You kind of see the light bulb going off in their head. And, and this was the first one. And I kind of light bulb went, I was like, man, these look really cool on t-shirts. And I was like, I know what I want to do now. And ran downstairs, told my, my mom and she was, you know, my mom's the best person that's ever walked the face of this earth. And so she was like, yeah, do it. And I'm like, all right. But then I thought about it. I was like, all right, like, again, like to start this business, right. You know, I'm probably about, you know, $75,000 to really, you know, get it going. And I was like, I don't have that type of money, you know, uh, I, Who I does just laying around. Let me yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. I mean, grand yeah. Out of There's nowhere, a lot of people right? who are fortunate enough to, to, you know, to have families where, where that is, you know, Oh, Oh, you just need this. Oh, okay. I'll give it to you. But like, that's not yeah. my family. You know, I, I come from a hardworking, you know, where we, we always had enough, but that was because my parents, you know, worked their butt off to make sure that us kids yeah. had what we needed, but it wasn't, there was no frivolous. There was no just extra, just buckets of cash laying around. So, you know, and then, if I, if I went into a bank and spoke with like a small business loan person and told them, Hey, like I want to sell t-shirts featuring artwork created by kids with special needs. And then we're going to give away half of our profit to the special needs causes and then hire adults with special needs to fold and package them. Like that, that small business loan person's like, well, that's a very noble idea. And I appreciate you and, and wish you the best, but there's no way we're going to get that business you plan. Is not a wise investment, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I, just, I just realized I was like, all right, like you're going to have to do this on your own. So then spent again, the next about three and a half to four years where my father was a foreman for a row construction company in Northern, in, in California. And so I would literally just, everything I owned, I could pack in two large duffel bags. And when row construction season started, I would head out with my dad and we would just be, you know, traveling all over California. You know, I'd be operating some massive piece of head machinery and then we'd, you know, sleep in a flea bag motel. And it was just, that was a routine. And then as soon as row construction season ended, I would get on the phone and call all my friends in the Phoenix area and be like, Hey, who's got a room? Does anybody have a room to rent? And would come back to Arizona and find a bartending job and then just work that bartending job until road construction season comes head out. And so like I, I did that for almost 
almost four years to, to raise the money to, to launch Paper Clouds Apparel. And I, I tell people the funny thing is, like, I remember my big splurge each year was when I would move back to Arizona because I would just sleep on the floor. Like I was like, I don't, I don't need, you know, floor's fine with me. And uh, I got a blanket. And so my big splurge would buy a new pillow each year when I'd move back to Phoenix. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, sweet new pillow, you know, but, and, and when I talk to people, a lot of people are like, Oh, like, wasn't that hard? Wasn't that tough? Like, it was like, no, that, that was what needed to be done. You know, like, so you just like, uh, I've always been the type where, and I was, I was definitely raised in the house where like, complaining wasn't a thing, you know, like, you just shut up and you did the work and you did what needed to be done. And in my life, you know, that was how the only way that I knew to be able to do what I wanted to do. And so you just, you just shut up and do it, you know? So I just did it. We launched uh, paper clouds apparel and I was still I, back in Phoenix and I was still bartending full-time at a, at a wine, at Postino wine bar here in Phoenix, which we all know and love. Everybody loves Postino. And so I was still working there while running paper clouds apparel full-time and then uh basically cloud cover treats kind of came about with just driving around phoenix through you know running my business you know we obviously have a lot of people in phoenix experiencing homelessness and pulled up to an intersection one time and there was a gentleman holding his sign and the shirt that he had on you could barely call a t-shirt it, it definitely was originally just a black t-shirt but at this time, it was almost like a sand colored because it had been so just beaten down by the sun and even wearing it for so long. And it had holes in it. Excuse me, I might get off. Don't get emotional, just talk. Uh, and so it had holes in it. And then it also had like, you could see like in sedentary rock where you see like the layers of rock. It had like, like you could just see like the layers of like sweat rings from how long he'd worn it. And I looked at him and I was like, like you uh, just thought like you run an apparel company like you need to do something to help these people and had zero thought of like oh i'm gonna start a nonprofit and do all these things it's just like hey man like these are people who are really struggling like you should do something to help them and so i was like all right went and bought a ton of new t-shirts and i was like i'll buy a bunch of new t-shirts print the paper clouds apparel logo on them that way they get a brand new clean t-shirt i get a ton of walking billboards it's a win-win for everybody and so that first time i was like all right i want to do more than just give them a t-shirt so we came up with the idea of what we call letters of hope, which are just like a handwritten letter, just filled with encouragement that, you know, something where if you were experiencing homelessness that you would like to read, you know, just something to fill them up yeah. with hope and let them know that, hey, like people believe in you. So put that out there to the units to like paper cards of pair, let people know kind of what I was doing. And within a week had, you know, a couple hundreds of, of letters that people had just shipped in from all across the country. So pick that, that first date of kind of going out there. And it was October 14th, 2015. And so that first trip was a t-shirt and a letter. And, and again, that's all I thought I was going to do. But the very, the second person that I met completely changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, his name was Daniel. And I met him in a, in a park over by McDowell and third street. And he was sitting down and he had on a pair of shorts, didn't have a t-shirt and a blanket and a pillow next to him. So I walked up to him and, and the very first thing that I would always do from the start was a handshake and a name exchange, you know, because one of the major things that I think that we don't think about is just having somebody call you by your name, you know, how it doesn't mean a lot to us because people do it all the time. But when you're on the streets and nobody is taking the time to learn your name, it's, it's really, really important, you know? So again, it's the, human the, dignity. One, yeah. It just the shows respect for them and value and you see them as a human being and not just a blob, you know? And so I was like, hi, my name is Robert. And he's like, oh, my name is Daniel. And I was like, all right, Daniel, well, here's, here's a t-shirt and a letter of hope. And 
And right after I hand him a t-shirt, he put his head in his hand and started crying. And I looked to my friend Bree, who's with me, and I was like, crap, did I did I say something wrong? So I was like, hey, like, is everything okay? And he was like, Yeah, like a week ago when I was sleeping, somebody stole my backpack. And so I haven't I haven't had a t-shirt. And I was like, like you've here in Phoenix in October, and you've went a whole entire week without even having a t-shirt. And so that was like the second like kind of like light bulb moment that I had. And I was like, all right, like you can do more. And so just having that conversation with Daniel, I was like, all right, well, aside from a t-shirt, like, what do you need? And he was like, socks. I was like, all right, cool. So then the next time I went out, I had a t-shirt, socks, and a letter. And the, the really wild thing is that second trip out, I saw Daniel again, and that was the only two times I've ever seen him, you know? And so it's kind of weird to have some, you know, what is a stranger completely, you know, change, you know, the, the path that you're on in your life. But so that second time I saw him, you know, I gave him the socks and I'll, I'll never forget this. So he sat down and when he went to take off the pair of socks he had on, like the elasticity on him, it like just disintegrated like into dust because he'd had those socks on his feet for so long. And I just remember seeing that being like, I, I can't, I can't even fathom, you know, taking off a pair of socks and you've had them on so long that the elasticity, it literally just turns to dust and just disintegrates, you know? And so from that moment, I was like, all right, like, what can I do? And just through those conversations with people, you know, found out about the shelters and the showers and then kind of started on this, this next, next journey. And now it's, and I'm sorry, like you could ask me one question. Unfortunately, I'll talk for like 20 minutes. So I like, I have to realize, okay. like, shut up. You're talking. Let I've them had goosebumps several times yeah. during your chat. So <laughs> yes. I, I, I really appreciated you sharing. Yeah. So now you've got this truck, you've got a big trailer where folks can take showers, do laundry, which is amazing get their haircut, have some food. You still give out your t-shirts. Um, yeah. you give out backpacks. Um, I think the other day I saw on your Facebook that you gave out a tent to someone, yeah, yeah, um, you Chris, just saw them yeah. on the side of the road and you're like, Hey brother, like what can I help you with? And yeah. can, can you use a tent? And he's like, why? Yes, I could. Um, and, and it's experience like that since, because when, when we go out the trailer on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, like I'm usually just so busy, just like running around, just making sure that each aspect is really running smooth from the laundry to the signups, to the haircuts, to the food. And so I don't really get that chance to have those real like lengthy, like one-on-one -on -one connections that I did when I was out with the street trailer. So it's like every once in a while, you know, I, my truck is always full of the supplies. And so it's, it's really fun for me when I get to pull up to an intersection every once in a while and get to really then kind of have that one-on-one -on -one connection with somebody that, that I really, really miss, you know, and, and just be able to let, again, let as many people know that like, Hey man, like, I know, I know your life is really hard right now, you know, and I know that people don't, don't treat you very well, but just know that like people still care about you. Yeah. Well, in the very serendipitous, perfect way that we've gotten connected. My hope is that you can start setting up, um, over at our new location, because there's a large population of folks experiencing homeless homelessness there. And I have to say that I felt really, it, I grew up in a, like a Baptist home. So the word I would normally use is like convicted, but I just felt very personally called out when my husband and I, and Kimi was helping me with this we're trying to run off homeless folks who were breaking into the building and, you know, we're finding a ton of drugs. There's a lot of poop on clothes inside there that right. we're having to clean out. It's, it's an unfortunate situation. And so we started really 
I, I did this. I can't say we, I, there's, I can't lump the team in on this one. Started really thinking like, I need to get these folks out of here. We need to run them off. And I, I really felt like spirit spoke to me and was like, why don't you just invite them in and really change the conversation. And one of my life's missions is to live total with total freedom. And I feel like the more I give that to other people, the more I get to experience that myself. So I'm really excited to help give somebody just the freedom of knowing that, I mean, assuming this works out, that your the facility is usable for you. Um, that, you know, once a week folks can come to new frontier immigration law center, like a community center and be able to have a taste of dignity for the week. And I feel like that's a huge, that's a huge gift. 100%. And, and that's the, the word community that you like, we're the, the coolest thing for me is to see these little communities that we build at each location we pull up to, you know, and, and to really develop friendships and relationships with the people that we help you know and a lot of people they might hear that like oh friendships you know like again there's just that 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 train of thought that you know again that the, that these people experiencing homelessness are are less than human or like these aliens or right and that they're all again drug addicts alcoholics you know and that they deserve that and or they're that scary they that lifestyle yeah and it's like man like do you know that person personally do you know their story do you know what led them to this lifestyle you know like no you don't so like let's let's not pass judgment until you really get to know that person, you know? Well, and it was so fascinating to visit with you about the idea of like, we expect people to just go out and get a job. Yeah. How, how do you recover from homelessness without a hand? Because well, you're right. You can't go in with a disintegrated t-shirt and a melting sock and go in and apply, for, apply for employment and get a job. I don't care who you are. No. And, 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 and the really frustrating part is even, even once we get a lot of people cleaned up, it's, you know, again, we, our society has made it so ridiculously difficult for people. And yet we, we look at them and, and you hear just these ludicrous statements like, Oh, just, you just got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Like, dude, they don't have any boots, man. Like, what do you want? Like we, you have to give people, you have to make it possible if we expect them to, to rise above their current situation, you know, but it's like, yeah. Oh, there's job hirings everywhere. Yeah, there is. Do you know a manager that's going to hire somebody that's currently experiencing homelessness? If so, let me know. I'll, send, the, I'll send some of the best people that we know out there. You know, it's when like, the rules of the game are impossible to win, the game yeah. must be changed. And that's how I feel about immigration law. When people say things like they need to go about it the legal way, when the legal way has trapped them in, in boxed folks in, and there's no way out. Um, there's no way to, to get legal when the law is designed to make yeah. sure that you don't. And there's no way to, um, you know, recover from homelessness when society really stigmatizes it. I'm so fascinated by, and I noticed this in your marketing on your website. And, and I even mentioned it to Kami when she and I were talking, cause I had never thought about this, but I get really, I would say spicy when people call my immigration clients illegals, even though I know they're not coming from, not necessarily coming from a bad place Yeah, because that's dehumanizing. No, a human can be illegal, but at the same time, I, I really noticed that in my vocabulary, I call people homeless. Like that's a thing. And I love yeah. that you say people experiencing homelessness. Where did that come from? I think it's, it's like you said, like when you call somebody homeless, you're putting a, you're labeling them and it's permanent where if, if you use the term experience in homelessness, you know, it's my thought 
is that it's just a point in their life. You know, we all have struggles. We all go through hardships in life. So, you know, like I, I have this, you know, uh, insane thought process that like, Hey man, we can help every single person, you know, and I know it's not true. And, and I get kind of frustrated when people talk about like ending homelessness, you're never going to end it, but we can, we can hopefully help find as many people as possible and help them, you know, uh, to a, create a, a recovery path, you know? Yeah. yeah. But it's when, when people say like homeless, that, that makes it so permanent, you know, but if we, if we say experiencing homelessness, then it's like, Oh, this is just a time in their life that they're experiencing, you know, but they can, there's still that it's still open-ended where I feel that way. I used to, I used to abuse alcohol, but I've never regarded myself as an alcoholic, but I used to abuse alcohol. It doesn't serve me anymore. So I I love that, you know, it's the things that we gift ourselves and the way we, we frame our own experiences, man, we have to gift that to other people too, and give them that benefit of the doubt. Um, When you and I spoke before you said that, you know, you're still giving out t-shirts, but what are ways that people who are listening near and far can get involved and help help support what you're doing. I think one, one of the things that I always will tell people is that like next time you're at, you know, in, in the uh, Target, Walmart, wherever, buy a 10 pack of socks. You're looking at me and Kami like next time you're in Target, ladies. We I know no, you go no, to Target. In, anybody, anybody. <laughs> uh, I love Target too. Uh, I mean, it's great. Uh, it's got everything you need. Uh, no. But, next time you're in a, uh, in a store, like buy, buy a package of socks and just, just keep it on your passenger seat. Because, you know, again, if you live in a major city, you're, you're probably seeing people quite often on the streets that are holding their signs. And I guarantee you, you know, you roll down your window, you hand them a clean new pair of socks and you're going to uh, get a big smile and thank you, you know, and, Absolutely. and even something as just, and then when they're there, just like, Hey man, my name is, you know, my name's Robert. What's your name? All right, man. I hope you have a great day. You know, just be stay, stay safe, you know, and just, just a short little conversation, you know, because so many people, when, even when they roll down their window and hand them money, it, it's, it's like here, here. And then they're, and then they're gone. Where it's like, Hey, just, just take a little bit more time there and just let them know that you're not just giving them money, but you, again, you see them and recognize them as a human being, you know, and want to just do something as simple as exchange the names, you know, or we've a smile, a wave. Like there's, there's so many little things that we can do that, are such kindness is free. Us. Kindness is free. Being a kind human to other people does not That's cost nothing. a dime. You know, and there was there was a guy that I used that we used to see a lot. I haven't seen him in, in years, but his name was Eric, and he used to always be on the overpass on uh, by Seventh Street and uh, the Ten. And every car that drove by, he'd hold and he would wave to every single car. And I had a conversation with him about it one time. He's like, "Man, he's like, look, you know, very very few of them are going to give me something, you know, but." even if they smile and wave at me, he's like, that's something, you know, like that means that they see me, you know, and they recognize me. He's Human like, connection. Just a smile and a wave yeah. like changes my day. Yeah. You know, it's like, we can all smile and wave, you know, we can all be nice to each other, you know? So it's just, yeah. it's just little simple things, you know? And that's when you talked about earlier, Hillary, about like kind of like running people off. That's, that's one of the things that I love about what we do is that everybody who uses our services, they know that they're going to be welcomed. And that we're going to be excited to see them. And, it, you know, it's like when, when you're experiencing homelessness, nobody's ever excited to see you. You know, nobody's ever excited that you're on their property or around them, you know, but they know if they come to use our services, that our volunteers and our team are going to genuinely be nice and happy and excited to see them, you know, and it's, it's so fun for me to see, you know, our volunteers 
see somebody coming from like a walk, walking from a ways away and be like, Harry's here and like run over and like give them a hug, you know? And it's like, when you're on the streets, nobody's ever running up to you excitedly to give you a hug, you know, but they just know that they're going to be just treated, you know, and showered with love. That's why, you know, on our tower trip, you know, that we're showering the streets with love. Cause that's, that's our goal. You know, like everybody, everybody needs to, you need to feel love to, to be, you know, a, a functioning human being. You know, if, if you, if, if you feel that nobody loves you and nobody cares about you, it's really hard to have hope and, and hope I took, we're hope pushers. That's, that's our, that's our drug of choice. We're trying to push out there. You know, we're because without hope, none of us, you know, stand a chance at, at, at having the life that, that we can have, you know? And so one of our biggest goals, I, I tell people like the showers, the laundry services, the haircut, the food, the clothing, all of that is, is really secondary. You know, those are merely services we provide to get people to come and, and, and see us. But then our number one focus is, is hope. You know, we want to, to make sure that we find those people who, if they don't have hope, we're going to try and get hope back in them. You know, if, if that light at the end of the tunnel is getting dim, we want to hopefully brighten it and just let them know that like, Hey, like it's possible. You know, if, if you want, if you really want to change and you're committed to it, it's possible. Let's see how we can make that happen. You know, yes. and, and that's, that's our number one goal is to, because again, like, unfortunately a lot of people that we see they're either it's either a mental health issue or a drug addiction problem that unfortunately we don't possess the tools, you know, but that doesn't mean yeah. we're not going to let them know that we care about them and help them as much as we possibly can, you know, but our goal is to find those people that still, you know, are, are, are have full use of their mental capabilities and their physical capabilities. And that, you know, something just happened to them and it's like, all right, you know, we found you now let's, let's see how we can help you you know, get, get back on path, you know, get back to living, get back to being a, a contributing member of society, you know, and just, just back to having the simple things, you know, a roof over the head, food in their fridge, you know, yeah. uh, employment, you know, these are someone's family. sons and daughters. Yeah. Uh, and that's someone's and that's brothers and sisters. That, it's so many people, you know, it's like that again, that's somebody's child, you know, and that's somebody's parent, you know, and it's like, I can't even fathom, you know, just, but we, we've gotten this level where, we just throw people away, you know, and it's absurd. Like there are so many really productive people who could benefit our world in so many beautiful ways, but had something happen in their life that, that has put them in this situation now. And it's, it's really tough for when you, when you first experience homelessness and you, you have that thought, Oh, like this is only the last a couple of weeks. Like all I'm going to find a job. I'll find a place. Like I'm going to be okay. But then, you know, after you start hearing no's and having doors slam in your face, it snowballs really quickly to just acceptance. And you're like, well, I tried, I, I tried really hard, but nobody would give me a job. Nobody would give me a chance. So this is my life now. And then you start to accept it. And one of the things that, that again, that I didn't really have any idea about until I really got into this community was how many people who now might have a drug issue that had never even tried drugs before they, you know, uh, became homeless. And mm -hmm. when you think about it, it makes sense where if your life just sucks, sucks. 24 hours a day and you have no hope yeah. and, you know, all is lost and somebody comes up to you and is like, Hey man, here's something on an escape. Feel pattern. This. It feels good for a minute. Yeah. yeah but, but like that, that gives you at least a little, a minute escape from, you know, what is a hellish life for you. 
you're like, oh, I can, you know, I'll feel better for a couple of hours each day. Oh, let me, let me try this. And now you've got a full-blown drug addiction on top of, of experiencing homelessness. And yeah. it just, again, it just spirals and snowballs, but it's so frustrating. The masses, we don't take the time to really think about the causes, the root, why they're there, how, how they're there. And then again, how we can really help them get on their feet. Because again, another thing that I didn't realize is like when somebody has been in prison for a long time and they get out, we're all familiar with the term of institutionalized. You know, we understand that and you see it in, in the way that people act who've been locked up for a long time. It's just the regular world. It's, it's a scary place and it doesn't make sense. They only know this world for a long time. It's the same thing for when you become homelessness, where, you know, when you, when you're on the streets, you really have to flip a switch in your head where we, we can, we can make plans for next week, next month. You know, we, we can plan for the future when you're on the streets you're going to do whatever it takes to make it till tomorrow. And, and I can't, again, I can't blame these people, you know, like you have to become a survivalist. And so you're going to, you're going to do whatever is necessary, you know? And so then it's tough for them when they are put in a position, you know, where they, they've been given a job or, or been put into a house and they just don't trust it. You know, their, their trust is gone. And so they still think that they have to live that kind of life where it's, you know, get everything they can, hold on to it, don't trust people. And so one of the main factors that we have to combat is trying to get people to, to, to get down those defenses and to be able to trust people again and, and not think that everybody's out to get them. And, and that's one of the biggest struggles we deal with is just getting people to, to know that, again, we don't want anything from you guys. You know, we're not trying to take advantage of you because there's unfortunately so many organizations that preach, oh, we're going to help them. But it's like, uh, you know, like, uh, again, I, I don't like to bash people, but like with, with a lot of the churches that will help those on the streets, you know, they'll go out and be like, hey, here, here's a crumb. You want the rest of the sandwich. You got to come and sit through church on Sunday and, and go through all this program and, and, and have to, you know, learn the Bible and, 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 you know, and commit your life to God and then we'll help you. And it's like, man, why can't, can't we just help people to help people? Like, like what's, yeah. what are we talking about here? Robert, yeah. your passion is very contagious. Like just hearing you talk and, and your motivations behind helping are so pure. How, how can people find you and how can people donate and where can they, where can they give back? Yeah. Uh, I mean, just cloudcoveredstreets.org and it's plural. So cloudcoveredstreets.org. We're on all the social media platforms. Uh, they can, they can always email me at just at cloudcoveredstreets at Gmail. You know, I'm, I, I, I always want to help people and people have questions. I'm, I'm always here to, to answer questions and just do anything. I was going to say, you it. answered my cold call. So <laughs> yeah, well, you like, do answer the I, phone too. I, I tell people like, I, I truly feel like I have the best job in the world. Is it, is it difficult? Yes, it is extremely difficult. You know, I mean, it took four years of work just to get our first trailer built. You know, there were so many side bumps and so many, you know, just, people that, that unanswered promises of, of help, you know, and it got to the point yeah. where finally I was like, screw it. We're just going to do it ourselves. You know, we ended up building it ourselves, you know, without these major uh, corporations. So that you have a, yeah, help. you have a truck already in Phoenix and you're expanding to tell us the cities you're expanding yeah, so, to, so, because I would assume you're going to need some help there. Yeah. So we have our Phoenix trailer and then we have our second trailer, which launched in Fort Worth in January of this year. And they're, they're doing amazing. Our Fort Worth team, the the advisory board that we have that runs the forward organization they're fantastic and 
the community support that they've received in Fort Worth. Like that's one of the things that is, is completely true. Man, Texans care about Texans. And if, if you're, if there's a Texan that wants to help another Texan, man, they jump on board. So it's been, it's been beautiful to see the Fort Worth community really step up and support that team. And, and now we're the next city that we're looking into, and I'm actually going to be working on that this weekend, putting together more members of our advisory board for the, the Tucson trailers are, is our next one that we're really, really focusing on. And then, and then Austin is probably our next location we're going to focus on. And then we're going to probably Las Vegas and then Portland and then Seattle. But those are our five cities. But if anybody, again, if you live in one of those cities and you want to be a part of the advisory board, if you want to sponsor or donate, just please email me, cloudcoverstreets at Gmail. Go to any of our social media on Facebook, on Instagram, shoot me a message. And I, and I guarantee you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to respond, you know, because I Again, like I said, I know that I can't do this all on my own. You know, it, it takes an army. And if there's people out there that want to help, I, I, I want to give them the ability to help, you know, and then we, you know, through through Phoenix and then moving into Fort Worth. Now we have a blueprint where this is, I hate to say easy, easily replicatable, but it really is like, you know, we have step A, step, you know, step B, step C. And if you just follow those steps, you know, you can have you franchise a, a trailer in your yeah, location, exactly. you know, and and just because again, as we know, this isn't an issue that's going away. It's homelessness, as you can see, is extremely on the rise. You know, with with COVID, with with people losing their jobs, and with with the the insane cost of living, with the you know the 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 pay wages staying the same. You know, where so many people are just being by none of their doing forced into experiencing homelessness for the first time. You know, and Again, we, we just have to do a better job as as people to to simply just help help those that are struggling. You know, it's push some hope. I love it, Robert. Thank you so much for joining us. It has been such a pleasure, and I, tears have filled my eyes. And Kimi's gotten goosebumps. So I know that God is with you, and I'm so grateful for what you do. And we can't wait to be more involved with it. It well and supportive. Um, and really, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited with, to come and, and check out your location, scout yeah. it out, do the logistics, and then let's, let's start set up a time and let's start, you know, again, just letting the individuals in, in your new area, just let them know that, Hey, like, again, like people care about you, you know, and, 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 and if you want, if you want to change, we, we can make that happen. Yeah. Thank you so much, Robert. I hope you oh, have a wonderful you. day thank and thank we'll you, be Robert. have a great day. Awesome. awesome. Can't wait. Have a great Bye, day. guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Grateful Leader. We are hoping that our mission of injecting gratitude and the practice of gratitude into your life in spite of all the hard things or the, the easy things that may lay ahead or behind you is something that is contagious in the best of ways and that you will love our stuff so much that you'll share it with a friend. That is the greatest way for you to help kind of partner with us in, in spreading this, this piece of love and joy and really gratitude because if we all walked around feeling even a tiny smidge of gratitude toward the hard rock bottom moments in our life, we seriously and sincerely believe that everyone's life would be better because of that simple shift that happens inside of us. So if this episode touched your heart and lifted you up in any way that you feel like somebody else you know might enjoy, can you do us a solid and click 
share now, send them a text and say, Hey, I listened to this. And I think that it might bring you some goodness, some happiness, or maybe you just want to give it a listen, whatever's right for you. We hope that you'll share and we can't wait to see you back here next week for more gratitude in leadership.